Hey guys, how are we getting on? Welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number two. Just want to say a massive thank you for everyone who either shared the podcast in their story or sent me a message on, on Instagram or a text. I really, really appreciate it. So today we're joined by Steve Caps from Primal Education and Steve has an abundance of experience in the personal training and coaching industry and a long and successful body, bodybuilding career to date. And what, that's what we're going to jump into today is really the mindset and the emotion and the psychology that comes with um, a contest prep and the stress and the anxiety that comes with it and how he's dealt with it. So sit back, relax, enjoy the podcast and let me know what you think. Hey guys, how are we getting on? So welcome back to episode two of the JCC podcast. And I'm really pleased to have Steve from Primal Education here for the first ever guest in the podcast. How are you today, Steve? Very well, Josh. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Um, so just a backstory into how myself and Steve actually know each other. So a couple of months, when was that actually? Was it in May, March? Uh, early February, yeah. We met in Melbourne. Uh, yeah. February with Ben Pekoski and Milos. So we did the Melbourne Muscle Camp. I came down from the Gold Coast and we had a small group of 12. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the group was, the group was, you, boy, you guys are in the big boy group is what I like to call it. I was actually a bit gutted that I didn't make the, make the um make the cut for it but looking over at all you boys all the bodybuilders and stuff like that in there and the girls as well all put us to shame so i was looking up at you guys uh, with a bit of motivation uh, to get we had some strong day. people in that group man we had the had yeah, there as well and it was a, it was a great camp and I, I really took that onto my prep eight weeks later i actually jumped on stage and was it I, eight weeks yeah yeah that was a bit of a launching pad for me i was um sort of 50 50 whether i was going to jump on stage and I had a few clients who were sort of a little bit struggling with their with their motivation and discipline. So I thought, hey, I'll use that as a platform. And that sort of uh, took me through to the end of March, which was my comp uh, in Queensland. Nice. Yeah, you were very lean when you were there. I'm surprised it was even eight weeks out. You could have probably jumped on about then, could you? No, thank you. I'll, I'll <laughs> Yeah, but a bit of work to go, a bit of cardio at the end. Yeah, yeah, nice. So if you want to give the listeners just a bit of a backstory into you, um, your kind of life in the fitness industry and, and your business, etc. Yeah, so I started PT in, uh, back in 2005 when there was no social media. I was uh, having dinner just before thinking about there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook. I remember as a 19-year-old, I completed my fitness qualification in WA I commenced working at Good Life uh, between the ages of 19 and 21. Really enjoyed working with any type of client. I worked with a lot of older adults, pre and postnatal, uh, children, and mums and dads. Uh, from there, I um, started lecturing the Cert 3 and Cert 4 qualification, moved into uh, Rio Tinto in the Pilbara in Western Australia, working with a lot of miters, health and wellness work, hearing tests. I did a lot of blood work, uh, drug and alcohol assessments as well. So I looked at total cholesterol, high density cholesterol, triglycerides, blood sugar. So I, was, I had a really big passion for analyzing blood um, and getting data and, and improving lifestyles through health and health and wellbeing treatments. Uh, from there, went back into personal training. Uh, my wife and I started off primal education in Perth. That was around four or five years ago. Um, and right now we're working with a range of clients, mainly mums and dads who just want to optimise their health and wellbeing and really busy people who just want to improve their health. Um, alongside that, I've got a passion for contest prep. So I have around eight clients right now who are preparing for competitions in October, November. Uh, but like you, Josh, I just have a really, really strong desire to improve the industry and just get people really good results. Um, and that's from mastering the fundamentals and doing them really well day in day out yeah nice 
Perfect. What are you guys are you doing um, yourself and Adele, um, Steve's wife, um, have set up uh, Primal Education. So how did that come around and, and what is, what, how would you kind of define Primal Education? To me, Josh, Primal Education is, um, I tend to, with my background in education, I yep. really enjoy not just training my clients, but giving them homework. Uh, I'm the type of coach where I'll see someone once a week and I'll give them daily tasks to do outside of the session. So to me, primal education was a really good fit in terms of mastering the fundamentals with health and fitness, giving ongoing education, um, and just making sure that my clients would embed all the lifestyle factors I'll give them into their day-to-day, really. Yeah, nice. And I think both of us talk about that a lot on um, on social media platforms, just those kind of lifestyle habits, those daily box ticks, all of yep. those kind of things that, that, that create that weekly um, box ticked and then a monthly box ticked. And I think that you... You definitely ingrain that with clients and, and it's really good to see. It's helped them improve both um, kind of the mindset. And this is what this, this podcast is going to be on mainly um, is mindset and, and their ability to uh, gain tissue or lose body fat for a contest prep or just, just the gen pop clients as well. So yeah, there's, pa- there's power in those daily habits, just ticking that sleep, ticking that water intake, uh, making sure your workout is very efficient and, Adele and I really, really lead by example in that way. Every time I deliver a program to a new client, I ensure that I walk through it myself to, to mm. feel what it's like as well. So um, lead by example, uh, be the person you want to be and share that with everyone else as well. Yeah, walk the walk and talk the talk. And it's a, I've seen a lot with, I don't know if you follow um, a couple of lads over in the, uh, in the UK, some top coaches over there. And it's been a bit of a theme running around Um social media around there or I know a good few coaches in Ireland are saying at the moment just walking the walk and talking the talk and there is nothing more important in my view and, and from especially body composition coaches or even from just um health coaches you have to walk the walk and talk the talk because it's that leading from the front setting the example taking the boxes yourself on a daily basis and showing that you take them because that's that's what inspires clients to do it and if they see if I've put a 20 set <laughs> rep a finisher and a hack squat or something like that and they see me doing that that gives them the motivation then to to take it to to failure that i am as well and and i know that you do that massively you big walker of the walk and you talk to talk as well um, i feel like I, 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 like you josh um i'm doing my clients a disservice if i haven't actually been through a two minute hack squat or a you know a two minute set of lunges like that yeah. metabolic stress that we get when we're in that, you know, embrace a suck. Uh, I always say that yeah. as well, when they're going through that really shotgun set where they're fatigued, they're tired, they're lethargic. I'm like, I've, I've been here before, guys. I know how it feels. Keep strong, keep mentally strong. Yeah, yeah. And then and once you tell them that's the gold dust, once you, once you tell them that's the gold dust rep um, where they're going to get the most, the best response from if they have to execute that last rep of the last set, gives them that extra little bit of a push um, for sure. So um, just wanted to run through your kind of your, your into bodybuilding and, and how it started. So if anyone doesn't know, Steve, how many, how many shows have you done recently? Is it eight, seven, eight? Uh, seven now. So I've done four in Western Australia and three in Queensland. Nice. Good. So how many, when did you do your first one? So I did it when I was 29. I, um, I was a late bloomer with bodybuilding. I've always played the long game, Josh. I, <laughs> growing up, I played AFL football, very endurance-based sport. I got to quite a high level in Western Australia. Suffered a few injuries from uh, poor warm-ups, poor stretching. My flexibility was really average when I was younger. And then I moved into bodybuilding 
or training like a bodybuilder around 22, 23. Fell in love with it. Um, I didn't really get the motivation or drive or push until I was in my late 20s from my wife, Adele, who looked at me one day and said, Steve, I think it's about time we get you on stage. Um, I contacted a coach in Western Australia who was actually probably regarded as one of the, one of the best coaches in Perth at the time. Uh, he prepped me for an 18-week prep and my body really transformed. Uh, the education and knowledge I received from uh, a coach named Shane Smith in Perth was outstanding. He was um, very supportive. Uh, the techniques and the nutrition protocols are really, really good. Um, and that's how it started, really, Josh, is that I really sort of trained consistently for about eight years and then gradually built up from there. Lovely stuff. And just wanted to run through kind of the, the mindset that you kind of had as a bodybuilder or just bodybuilders in general. And do you think that you are, have a different mindset or a different psychology to, to normal kind of bodybuilders? I think as a father, Josh, uh, I had my two children when I was 29. I actually started bodybuilding. Uh, I was on stage a year after that. So it was probably not the ideal time to prep for a show with two young children. I, I've always been a disciplined guy, even back in my younger 20s, like my training programs always followed through, always had eight hours of sleep every night. Fundamentally, I did things really, really well. Uh, but in terms of the mindset and characteristics of a bodybuilder, probably the big one is the discipline. You know, the ability to show up for every workout, plan meals, execute your sleep, uh, and tick those boxes just to get you through every single day. I know the last eight weeks of a competition or a contest prep, your mind starts playing games, you're questioning, are you going to look lean enough? Is your training program correct for your body? Are you having enough carbohydrates? Are you going to deplete well? So trusting the process and really understanding that it's such a long-term marathon, really, bodybuilding, is that you usually get better as you get older once you master your body and, and learn what works for you in terms of the macronutrient profiling and, and your training philosophy as well. Yeah, and your mind. I'm sure that you'd say it now that if we were to kind of look at yourself back in back in your first ever prep to, to now, like what would you think is is the difference in your in your mindset and your ability to to handle the pressure, handle the emotion? Because it's a very emotionally driven sport, in my opinion. Like the psychology of it, the constant battle with yourself, back and forth. Do I look good? Do I not look good? Am I lean enough? How do I get in better shape? All these kind of things. Just this constant. Um, constant need to to please others as well and um, it's very externally uh, driven I think uh, sport and what, what would you tell yourself now if you had if you had a young Steve 29 year old Steve sitting in front of you about to do his first contest prep is what, what was the coach's name again Shane Smith if you're, you Shane Smith and a young Steve were sitting in a room what would you tell what would you tell yourself at 29 years old I would not attach to the outcome a lot of all they think about during a contest prep is a show day. Uh, enjoy the process. Embrace every single day, every single workout, every single meal. So for me, Josh would be not thinking about show day too much, not thinking about the tan, wearing your trunks, your posing, just really enjoying every single day and fundamentally training every workout, delivering on every workout, showing up for every workout and just smiling after each meal and going, do you know what, this is a really long journey. It's an 18 week prep or a 20 week prep. I'm in it for the long run. And I know it's gonna, if I do these things every single day really, really well, when it gets to show day, I'm gonna look really good. Yeah, that's lo absolutely love that. And that's what I think we both talk about all the time. It's not, it's not getting kind of overwhelmed with this big process. And if any of the listeners are thinking about doing a photo shoot or a show or even just simply a transformation, they see themselves now and where they see themselves in 
if they, they have this desired goal to lose 20 kilos, don't think of it as that long-term approach. It's, it's just like Steve just said there. It's that simple box ticking. Can we bring it down from that macro level into a micro level and say, if you were to simply just tick all boxes on a day, if you're to, what, what, what are the things that you, you, you tell clients to do on a, on a daily basis, Steve? So me, most important is getting into that parasympathetic state. I realized when I was 29, when I was first prepping, my average quality sleep was probably five, five and a half hours a night. Mm. Uh, really paid more attention over the last two years, shifting from, you know, that 29 years of age, I'm 35 in a couple of weeks, to spending more time in bed, walking the dog, spending more time in sunshine. So I very much flipped my mindset around Working out more is not always better. Working out for one hour in that really powerful warrior state and then shifting to that parasympathetic recovery state. So that's my biggest learning, Josh, is um, 29, guns blazing, every workout, thresh my body. Uh, but now it's more of a, a calculated system where I go, I'm going to go in that zone for one hour and I'm going to jump out straight away. Yeah, and I think that's the key as well. And something that I picked up massively from the seminar when you, you, you and myself were... Um, with Ben was that it, was, it wasn't more is better it's it's better is better and just having these kind of daily tasks and 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 having that kind of on a micro level goal setting and not hammering ourselves in, in sessions and eating less food and doing more cardio where it's having that now now we I used to do it as well train seven times a week seven cardio sessions on top eating minimal food trying to get it done so quickly but now I think that that you'll say as well as well as myself it's just having time on our side now and just enjoying the process and, and taking your time and that's going to be cause a much less stressed um steve or josh in in this case a less stressed individual which is going to only have a better um a better implication on body composition and and your ability to actually grow grow tissue at the end of the day because it's that parasympathetic side of things for sure yeah it's definitely a learning process to try and as a young male we think you know work hard, keep yeah, working, yeah, yeah. result, dig deeper, come on, push yourself. And you get to sort of that mid-20s, late-20s, we go, all right, now I need to recover better. I need to yeah. eat more. I need to fuel my body for performance. And it was a long process for me, Josh. It took me to around 28, 29 to, to realise that. Yeah, and that, that kind of leads me to the, to the next question, actually. What are the kind of the different methodologies that you're now using that you, you didn't use in, like, let's say, when you – so any beginners that are listening – like when they walk into gym for the first time, they don't, they don't know what to do. And what would, you, what would your advice be to them, like in terms of the methodologies for training or nutrition setups? What, w- what would those be? In terms of training, Josh, and programming, I'd always get a posture analysis from a professional coach who knows what to look for in terms of router shoulders, any posture abnormalities, uh, looking at weaker body parts as well. Uh, I know a lot of men that I see in their early days have big biceps, big triceps, but uh, underdeveloped pecs, underdeveloped lats. So a really good uh, analysis from a coach who has maybe been a bodybuilder before or someone who knows what they're looking at in terms of anterior, posterior, top and bottom. Uh, In terms of nutrition, fundamentally, uh, carbohydrate cycling has always worked for me really well. I've always consumed high carbohydrates on leg days and back days, my weaker body part. Uh, But yeah, definitely getting an approach or getting a professional judgment from someone who knows the body really well, knows mechanics and knows how to perform every exercise really, really well. Yeah. I think that's, that's key as well. And from a coaching perspective uh, for any coaches that are out there, you have to have that, that coaching eye is what I like to call it, where you see a physique and instantly can see 
what what's ahead. You have to look at a physique and say, what what are we trying to do here in the next four weeks? What are we trying to do in the next 12 weeks? What are we trying to do in the next year? And if you don't have that long-term, and to be able to give it to clients and give you a bit of objective goals and, and focus. But if someone told me right now, okay, Josh, you're going to run a four-week recomp, you're going to go and do a 16 push in a, in a surplus, try to put on, slap on as much tissue as you can, and then we're going to start a, a photo shoot prep for 12 weeks. That just gives you that kind of, focus that mindset that you know what's ahead of you and then that allows you to have that kind of okay let's take a day at a time here let's do first thing on the list is going to be our four-week recomp and then even from a a coaching perspective like you were talking about having that coach and i where do we need to develop more do is our delts going to be um very underdeveloped is our pecs can we have a priority day there do we are delts and arms quite quite small compared to our other body parts Mm. Um, do can we run a delts and arms day? This kind of thing um, is, is massively important. Yeah, um, photo show us everything, Josh. And <laughs> I think for men, uh, particular males, coming to the gym wanting to grow their biceps and chest, and uh, teaching them how to move their body really well, and also train their back. Uh, a lot of men, as you know, don't know how to activate their lats properly. Yeah. So going through a light movement and really showing people how to feel their back and feel their traps uh, contract as well. Yeah, do you remember that? I remember that. And um, I put up a post the other day, actually. And again, you probably don't remember because you, you were in the big boys group. But um, <laughs> we ran through uh, the single arm, lap, uh, single arm uh, dumbbell row or unilateral dumbbell row. The way Ben kind of really brought you through and we were lifting what it, it well, we were anyway. You guys are probably lifting about 40 kilos. We had a 10 <laughs> kilo in the hand and the way he was getting you to do it was just like my lat was blowing blowing up with the 10 kilo and I was like how is this happening and just really remember Milos used that phrase muscle centric versus exercise centric the difference between putting someone on a hack squat and just going just get get eight reps out of there and just get rid of it mm-hmm. and then it's that that phrase kind of don't make the don't count the reps make the reps count and trying to make it as as exercise as muscle centric as you can and really really feeling the reps is so important when we talk about trying to add tissue to the body. Yeah, I think it's really important. I've always done that as well, Josh. I, I kind of think back to my 20s where I thought, yeah. why did I always lift a little bit lighter than the average male? I had guys around me lifting two times more weight than me. Uh, their body would never developed. And then as I started to on- get some more ongoing education, start to dive deeper into Ben's work, start to learn more about muscle activation techniques, I thought the weight the weight's important, but it's not everything. Um, and that was really a big opener for me is that people go, how much you bench, Steve? Oh, 80 kilo. Irrelevant, yeah. Uh, but you can make 80 kilo feel a lot heavier if you move through that pattern, move through space really well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, so, that's such an important uh, note for everyone to listen to. It's how well you can... And something that I think that you push a lot um, on your social media is is the the load is irrelevant the reps are relevant the the volume is irrelevant intensity workout is relevant if you can't nail down and contract tissue you're wasting your time you know so this is why the it's important for beginners to to like you said get a posture coach get a, a personal trainer i wish i wish i wish i wish i had have had you or me or anyone um as a personal trainer early days because i wouldn't even want to look at the stuff that i was doing thinking that yeah. i was deadlifting perfectly and all this but again that's one of those things where you say you have to learn from your mistakes i guess so yeah having the right man having the right mentor in place and having someone who's lived that and and led by example before yeah yeah absolutely 
So running through to the, to the next point, and we, I wanted to run through your, your last contest prep really and, and try get a little bit, dive into um, kind of the process, how far, how long it was, kind of the motions and the, the kind of mindset at different stages of prep. So if we start, bring, bring the listeners back to the very beginning, how, how long out were you? Um, what, was the, what was our setups and uh, where were we kind of mentally at that stage? So I live with the, the process and the thought around keeping quite lean all year round. My off season usually I only gain four or five kilos. So on contest day, I'm usually between 92 and 94 kilo. In the off season, I push 98 to 100. So relatively around 10, 11% I hang around in my off season. I tend to prefer a shorter prep. Uh, it's less demanding on the body mentally and physically. Uh, in, t- in terms of training programs and split, split regimes, I... Usually, don't train arms very often now. I spend a lot of time in my chest and back, my lower body, and then arms I train usually every two or three weeks because they develop quite quickly. But I just pay very particular attention to how I feel in every rep. I don't count reps, I don't count numbers, I just feel the weight. I add a bit of progressive load overload every two weeks if I feel like my body's ready for it. And I just think every set challenge, every rep challenge, and usually my workouts last between 50 minutes to an hour. I'm normally in, in that base mode, out within a 60-minute time frame um, and into that parasympathetic recovery state. So in terms of training programs, Josh, usually my programs are between four to six weeks. I'll reevaluate. Leading up to a contest, I'll do a lot of giant set training, which gets me very, very lean. I find that the giant set mythology around short recovery period, 10 different movements paired together, uh, gives me that cardiovascular effect as well and that metabolic stress. So I spend a lot of time digging deep between six to eight weeks out. I'll bring giant sets in and I find that's enough for me not to do cardio until usually two or three weeks out of the contest. Wow. Jesus. That's, that's very impressive. And I know how hard those giant sets are from first first hand basis when me last brought us through. What was that one for delts again? Was it? Was I think it we did six. Yeah, 17 or 18 movements in a row. And I, I embrace that. I really enjoy the, uh, the metabolic build-up. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, um, I tend to go into that athlete mindset where I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm right in the bubble here. I put a circle around my body and go, it's just me and the dumbbell and all the machine. I sort of, uh, I close my eyes a lot when I train now. I really internalize the workout and go, all right, I'm not going to watch anyone. I'm just going to feel every rep. And uh, that's got me through some of the most aggressive workouts I've had in Melbourne and also from my coaches back in the Gold Coast who basically wanted to murder me at some point and I got through them. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Um, and that's a kind of, I've talked about it a good bit on my social media, kind of a MIFS set is what I like to call it. So a maximal internally focused set. So something after doing, let's say an RDL for, for, um, for an example, where we do like a neurological set for let's say six to eight reps really heavy and then we kind of have a back offset where we like take 25 30 percent off the load and just get that maximal internal focus doesn't matter what what the volume is somewhere between 8 and 12 reps usually we're just trying to rinse the tissue trying to get really into the muscle that mind to muscle connection like the phrases that most people will use um, and just trying to feel every single millimeter of that contraction that's the same same kind of concept there it's so important to have isn't it it's number one priority for me, Josh, is that I make sure every rep is governed, like just yeah. perfection. Standardized. Um, if I do a sloppy rep, I'll make it up with another one. Yeah. Just to make sure that I, I feel like I'm doing the correct thing. And 
my mind works like that. Two or three sloppy reps, then I've got to correct it with two or three quality reps. Hmm. Nice. And so I'm going to regress a little bit and go back to um, the start of prep. So how long are we out from prep when we do start a contest prep? Usually how long between do you give you? Yeah, for me, um, 16, 20 weeks. I've done some really short preps as well that have been 8 to 10. An example would have been in Melbourne early this year. I, after my show in November last year in Sydney, which I came second in the Nationals, I, I stayed quite lean from over Christmas to January. That muscle camp in Melbourne in February was a bit of a launch pad for me in terms yep. of training uh, twice a day, as you know. Yep. Uh, I actually dropped two kilos over that four or five-day period just from that of training volume and, and what Milos took us through as well. Yeah, but it really de- it depends, Josh. If I if I feel really lean, I'll do a short prep. If I feel I'm sort of pushing that 10, 12, 13 percent body fat, I'll look at my nutrition about sixteen weeks out and start to play around with some variables that far out. Nice. And then from a, a mindset and psychology and kind of emotional standpoint, where do you where do you find you're at at the beginning of the prep? Do you feel um, kind of any any time now that I'm sure that it's different to your beginning of preps. I'm sure you don't feel at all kind of anxious or overwhelmed or anything. Or, or how do you feel at the, at the start of your preps always? I'm usually excited. I think when the food's quite high, usually I work off the formula 50 calories per kilo. So I'm 95 kilo to 100 roughly. So I start most preps around 5,000 calories for a guy my size. And then every week I sort of Every two weeks when I get my skin folds taken, I get my 14-point skin fold, my cheek, my chin, my, my back, my stomach, my tries and buys, my quad, my hammy. I look at dropping those calories down every couple of weeks, say from 50 calories per kilo down to 45. And then usually I end up around 25, 28 calories per kilo by two weeks mm-hmm. out, which is not a lot of food. I basically half my caloric intake from yeah. start of prep to the last two weeks. Yeah. God, that is a good good drop. To be fair, and they kind of the that's the the aggressiveness of, of bodybuilding, isn't it? I'm sure you kind of know your yourself inside out um, now, and what what really works for you in terms of your your kind of setups and stuff like that. Do you? Yeah, definitely. And having quite a few preps on my belt now, um, I'm aware that carbohydrate cycling is very beneficial, uh, and also sort of letting go of my ego that last couple of weeks. Uh, the ability to lift weight four weeks out is. Uh, severely impacted by your low carbohydrate levels and your food dropping significantly. So what could be a 160 kilo squat or a 180 kilo squat 12, 16 weeks out ends up to be a 80 to 100 kilo squat. So your your ability to generate force four weeks out is um, is not there due to the, the low calories and also the fatigue and the, the mental fatigue around dieting and that sort of anxiety that creeps up two or three weeks out before a show. So um, Find it initially. I found it quite challenging to get through my last couple of workouts because I was lifting weight and not feeling any contraction because I was around. You know, I think my skin folds had me about four point five percent on my first couple of shows, um, and I couldn't feel anything. I was like, "Where's where's the carbohydrates? Where's the carbohydrates?" And nothing was coming in. So I was just you know depleting as much as I can. And then, of course, a uh, couple of days out from a show, usually load up with uh, glycogen and carbohydrates. Yeah. I think you touch on it there kind of when, when we kind of were pulling everything down from that kind of 16 to 11 weeks, everything's all happy and everything, food is quite high and you feel, feel great at the beginning of prep. But then as we get closer into prep, how does, how does everything start changing? What happens to your kind of mind, your mindset, the, like you said, the anxiety of, 
of it creeping up. Oh, now it's it's getting real. We're th- we're three four weeks out. What starts what starts playing on your mind, and how do you kind of how do you manage it? How do you deal with it? Yeah, I've got a very supportive wife. Uh, I should be very happy that I mentioned her, but Adele, my beautiful wife, has been supporting me for thirteen years now, and she's always got my back. Uh, she gives me the the time to maybe go for a holiday for four days. I, I do very well when I'm isolation by myself. I tend to get in my own headspace and train really, really hard. So there's been times, Josh, where I've been in Perth and I said to Adele, we're running a business. And I said, can I have four days off? Can I fly to Melbourne for four days? And I did that three years ago. She she sent me to Melbourne at Doherty's gym in Brunswick. And I spent four days just training, getting my head right, journaling, writing down how I was feeling. And I came back and I felt amazing. So for me, the lack of sleep um, is a big one. The last four or five weeks when those hunger pains are quite severe, I tend to wake up every three or four hours thinking about food. Uh, but what gets me through is that big why, that, that declaration at the start of the prep saying, what am I going to become? What am I doing this for? And how am I going to show up for myself um, for each workout? And the impact it's had on my business as well. I know a lot of my clients like see me on stage. The first time I was in Perth, I had I think about 12 clients watch me uh, on, on stage. And that gave me a lot of... Oh, I'm helping people just by being a leader and, and stepping foot on those bright lights where you're all tanned up and, and displaying your body. So uh, for me, showing up for my clients, showing up for myself and and just battling those those hunger games the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think having the why, and, and again, something that we talk about a lot, is having the why at the forefront of the head. And when you get into those tough stages of, of diet and prep, now I've never gone to the depths of, of a contest prep before, but there are times where, it's just you don't want to, and I'm sure all the listeners go through this themselves. It's the time where it's pissing rain outside, and either myself or Steve have told you you need to nail 13k steps today, and you look down your Apple Watch and says 6k steps. And you, what do you do then? Do you have that resilience and mindset to go out? And what is going to get you up off the couch? And it's going to be that that why factor. Why do you want to do that? Is it something as simple as I want to be able to, and I've had clients say this to me before, I want to simply, I have a kid on the way, I want to be able to actually run around the park and kick a football with them without being completely gassed and can't breathe. Or is it to jump on stage? Is it to improve our body composition? Is it to improve our self-confidence? I think that's a really important uh, point you made there, Steve, just about how important having that why is at the forefront the whole time to guide your, to guide your motivation massively. It's really important, Josh. And a great, what, an example that I give to my clients right now is that every time I have a contest prep client, they handwrite a declaration about what they want to achieve during the prep, their big why, how they're going to do it, how they're going to show up for their family, how they're going to show up for themselves. And they plant that on their mirror. So every morning they get out of the shower and they go, trust the process, embrace the suck, embrace the hard days, smile when it gets hard, make every workout count. Um, that's the type of information that I give my clients around that. Just that, that you know, um, reinforcement every morning that it's a human experience of just struggling a little bit, suffering, uh, but something always comes out of struggle and it's only a good thing as well. I love that. Love that idea. And that's what it is. It's just embracing the suck, isn't it? And just being able to know that this is the hard stuff that happens and then you're only going to be able to, to grow. And it talks about my first podcast, having that growth mindset. And that's the sort of stuff that allows you to become resilient and to have that have that growth mindset for sure. It's so important. And yeah, surrender, I think there's a lot of power around just surrendering and going, I'm just going to trust my coach. I'm just going to trust the training program and and do those daily tasks that 
lead you towards a contest and your your time on stage. Mm, yeah. And just jumping back to, I think you said it there yourself, gratitude journaling and, and journaling and, and kind of, I think you might've mentioned meditation there. Um, when you get into those really, really latter stages, I'm talking about those kind of last week or something, those last seven to 14 days, or even, even as close to three days out, what, what do you utilize to try and manage like ridiculous amounts of stress and anxiety that come with bodybuilding? Two big things that stick out for me would be conversations with my wife, um, talking around how I'm going to show up on the contest day, her support, uh, and also spending time in nature. Nature's a great healer, so I tend to go hiking the last couple of weeks, spend time at the beach, breathe the fresh air, spend, spend time on the sand. So I really connect with nature the last couple of weeks of the contest prep, and that really has a healing effect on me um, and gives me the ability just to push through those last couple of weeks because the last two weeks of workouts are a struggle. Um, I'm sure everyone can agree with me on that who does a contest. So nature is always calling me the last couple of weeks of the contest. Yeah, nice. I think I remember, I think it's Larry Doyle calls it, I don't know if you know him, he's an Irish uh, coach, calls it vitamin N and it's yes. the nature and just trying to get out there. And, and that's simply what all you're describing there is parasympathetic nervous system dominance. That, that's literally it in a nutshell. And just trying to, stay in that side of things just trying to relieve stress and try and push anxiety away and all these kind of things is so important and i'm sure getting out in the sand that's that's grounding all this kind of stuff is so much research back behind us um, and it'd be silly for us not to utilize it and and we it always it's always and i say this to clients all the time that when the days are good we forget about all these things and then we don't have it in our back pocket to pull it out for when when we have an awful day where something happens in work or we we break up with our our spouse or something like this and then we shit hits the fan and we don't have anything to pull and it's having that kind of wealth of um experience in in stuff like gratitude journaling and and guided breathing meditation grounding if we have this experience in our back pocket that we can pull out and just be able to uh, flip the switch and push that parasympathetic side of things it becomes much much easier to deal with definitely like the ability to earth and have your bare foot on the sand or the grass is good yeah healing effect and i've really connected with that the last couple of years of contest prep is the spending time in nature and, and healing my body that way yeah absolutely absolutely such such an important part of things um and then after the after the show then what are the kind of the the emotions that come with post-show other than the want to eat as much as you possibly can I'd yeah say? i'm very different josh i'm a i'm a unique person when it comes to what happens after the show i'm already planning what's going to happen next I, um, I have a burger, I have a thick shake, I, I go through a couple of chips. I, I never blow out. I know a lot of people walk off stage and go, all right, I'm just going to annihilate as much food as I can in a 48-hour period. Yeah. I, um, I will enjoy a meal. I don't drink alcohol very often. So I'll wake up the next day and usually start thinking about my business and going, how can I show up better for my clients? How can I offer more value? So I'm already thinking ahead about the next prep. Um, I've been told in the past that I need to celebrate a little bit more and really enjoy my time on stage. But to me, it's just, it's my lifestyle. I, um, yeah, I love it. I, I you know, hand in my heart. I, um, I never, I've never been overweight before just because I love training and I love nutrition and I love looking after my body. Yeah. But after the contest, um, not be a photo shoot is always good fun. And also, um, going out for a nice meal and just celebrating in a very low key fashion, uh, with my family and my wife and kids. Yeah. Nice. Love that as well. And I think a lot of people do 
do blow over it a lot. Um, and I just almost probably get overwhelmed with, with what's happened and just that kind of relief and just, just completely let loose when we know that that is absolutely not the best thing to do. And that's your most responsive state. And you don't want to throw it away. Like you said, having a meal out and doing all these things um, is nice. And then just being able to reel it back in and then just planning the, the kind of rebound out of there. Is very important. I'm, I'm more excited, Josh, about the food feeling my workout. I think you, you yeah, yeah, because I love healthy food. I love eating a lot of healthy food. So I'm just thinking about the carbohydrates that are coming in so I can perform better in the gym. So I'm already thinking about how can I reverse diet and how can I get stronger in that initial eight week period after my contest? Because your ability to build muscle is in a really good spot when you're that mm. way. Um, yeah, big time. So I, I utilize it as a time to. I uh, put on a couple of kilos of lean tissue and really enjoy my workouts with a smile again. Yeah, big time. I think that's the way to look at it. And to wrap things up really, Steve, I think that you've touched on pretty much everything and something that I'm going to run, run through with all the guests that come on the podcast is going to be kind of what are your, your three non-negotiables in life? Like what, what, what do you run with on a daily basis that are an absolute non-negotiable in your day-to-day? So as a coach, Josh, lead by example, um, deliver on value and be a man of your word. So I'm always like that with my business. I tend to, uh, the clients that are having my business are, are very grateful for them. Uh, and every time I deliver a program or, or design a new workout, I take myself through that to make sure that they know what's gonna come. So leading by example is a big one for me, showing up for my clients, um, eating healthy food. Um, I love really high quality food. It's part of my family's lifestyle. And, and just training and, and being a good role model for my kids and my clients. So showing up, being a great leader, uh, and upskilling and educating every single day. Usually I did, uh, sort of spend about an hour to two a day learning, reading, um, reading articles, looking at famous bodybuilders, looking at famous athletes, and looking at the mindset they have uh, to achieve goals and achieve their dreams. So, yeah, learning, showing up, and leading by example. Yeah, lovely. Three very, very good ones and very important ones. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Even you're something, someone that I look up to massively in the industry, and hopefully that I'm in in uh, the same kind of shoes that you're in now at the moment. And thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And just if you want to give the listeners a little bit of um, where they can find you and that kind yeah, of so guys, Primal Education on Instagram. A lot like Josh, uh, I love delivering high quality information that's going to help people long term. Very big on exercise execution, correct programming and sustainable nutrition principles. So Primal Education on Instagram and you can also reach me on Primal Education on Facebook. Thank you so much. And thank you very much to all the listeners for tuning in. Listen today, I know there's so many nuggets that Steve has given us here on how to attack contest prep and the mentality just towards just life in general, not even... Don't mind contest prep, but just life in general and the positivity that you, you bring is, uh, is contagious and it's re- really good to see. So thank you so much for coming on and thank you to everyone who, who's, who's tuned in and, and to share shared the podcast over the last couple of weeks. Um, it's now available on Apple and uh, the more, more you can share it, I'd really, really appreciate it. So thank you so much and we'll catch you in the next one.